الحمد لله وكفى والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعض فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم قل هو الله أحد سبحان ربك رب العزة أما يصفون والسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم Bay'a is an Arabic term that means pledge. Bay'a is an Arabic term that means pledge. Bay'a of Tawbah is when a person makes a pledge to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to seek forgiveness for their past life and to make an intention to avoid future mistakes. To make, they make a pledge to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to seek forgiveness for their past mistakes and to, and to live a life of piety moving forward to the best of their ability. That's called the bay'ah of tawbah. And that bay'ah of tawbah is actually referenced in the Qur'an. Bay'ah of tawbah is actually referenced in the Qur'an in the sense that uh, there's one circumstance when Believing when a group of believing women came to Rasulullah and they wanted to make bayah that they would avoid A, avoid B, avoid C, and um, Rasulullah is commanded to accept their bayah. So here we see a few things. Well, I mean, one key thing is that it, the, the verse actually reads, when the believing women came to you. So it, this can't be a, a bayah of um, Islam because it says believing women came to you and it's not a bayah of the military because that time there was women were not joining the military so it's clear from this example and we can go into more details about it but that's not the purpose of what I'm getting to it's clear from this example that um, there that, that, that this bayah that the purpose of this bayah that's referenced in the Qur'an, um, the purpose of this bayah was that a group of believing women wanted to make a pledge that they would avoid a particular subset of things that they needed to avoid. And, and they're stated in that ayah. So they would avoid A, they would avoid B, they would avoid C. So they were making a pledge to avoid future sin. And in the process, seeking forgiveness for their past mistakes. So this is the reference of the bayah of Tawbah. Now, when a person makes a bayah of Tawbah, remember, I want to make one thing very clear. All bayahs, all these bayahs that we've talked about, all these pledges that a person can make in deen that we've talked about, these pledges are all to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. All these pledges are to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. For example, the one of the greatest pledges that occurred... Um, would be the pledges that occurred, or some of the greatest pledges that occurred would be the pledges that occurred when the Sahaba pledged to Rasulullah Like, for example, bayah that Sahaba would make to Rasulullah and historically they existed. And 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala states concerning one of the most famous bayah that occurred when Sahaba made bayah to Rasulullah that they would defend one another, that they would uphold Rasulullah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala states concerning that إِنَّ الَّذِينَ يُبَايِعُونَكَ إِنَّمَا يُبَايِعُونَ Allah. Verily those people who made bayah to you, and the you here refers to Rasulullah إِنَّمَا يُبَايِعُونَ Allah. Verily they have made bayah to Allah. So, if the Sahaba's pledge to Rasulullah was in essence a pledge to Allah, then all we are is following in that footstep. So, any pledge that we make is actually a pledge to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, what ends up happening in the context of these pledges, however, is that it's often these pledges are often used as a, as a means for a person to make an intention in front of or with someone that can assist them in the goals and, of that bayah. So, for example, the mashayikh of tasawwuf, mashayikh of spiritual development, they use this bayah as a means for a person to become a student or become connected because um, because of the uh, because of the barakah of the bayah itself. Meaning, what they recognize, the mashayikh recognize that the pledge is to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but often, in order to achieve the goals of the bayah, a person requires a coach or a guide or someone that can show them how they can best achieve the goals of that bayah. And so the mashayikh, they take advantage of that circumstance in order to assist them in drawing a connection with that particular student. Just as in order to achieve the goals of pledging to Allah, in essence, the sahaba pledged to Rasulullah So again, the pledge was to Allah, but it was done through Rasulullah So the teach to the mashayikh of the sawwuf will use that bayah in the exact same way. So and another intention that a person can have is that when I'm making this bayah, I am use I am seeking the assistance of teacher A or teacher B or teacher C in order to be able to achieve the goals that I've delineated for myself through this bayah. So for example, in the bayah of Tawbah, the goal is that a person will avoid future sin. A person will avoid future sin. So what will, what, but that's not, that's much easier said than done. I can't just say I will avoid future sin and all of a sudden I'll avoid future sin. We know how difficult it is. We know how challenging it is. We know that it requires a certain degree of wisdom. It requires a certain degree of understanding. It requires a certain degree of experience. It requires a lot of knowledge. It requires a lot of encouragement. It requires a lot of having someone to grab your hand and pick you up when you fall. So given that context of the, how big that task is, the mashayikh use it as a means and the students use it as a means in order to develop a relationship with a teacher to assist them in the goals of achieving that bayah. And that is the purpose of that relationship. The purpose of that relationship is not so they can socialize, so that you know they can get a job. That's not the purpose of that relationship. The purpose of that relationship is to achieve the goals that are delineated by that bayah. So if the goal is to avoid future sin, then the purpose is to strengthen that individual, to advise that individual, to assist that individual. And there's a sincerity. There's a sincerity that exists on the part of the student. There's a sincerity that exists on the part of the teacher. It's existed historically for centuries. 
And there's been a tremendous amount of power in that relationship because you look historically at the people who've been able to develop themselves, and this is a very, very strong and, and, um, and decisive way in which a person can develop themselves. Okay, all of that was background. Now, at the same time, when an individual makes this bea, when an individual makes this pledge, the teachers, the mashaykh, they recognize that this individual is going to need spiritual strength to be able to achieve their goals. So what did they do? Invariably, they assign them a routine. They assign them a routine, which we call the daily routine or the wird, or You have so many different names for it, but they assign a basic routine. And that basic routine is actually exactly that. It's basic. It's not something magical. It's not that they take a wand and they say, now that you have been, bless you, you know, all of a sudden life is going to change. They assign a routine. The routine is actually all the things that you should be doing anyway, honestly. What is the routine? The routine is you should recite Quran every day for X period of time. You should make istighfar in the morning and in the evening. You should make salawat on Rasulullah in the morning and in the evening. You should spend time remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in your heart. You should isolate yourself from everyone around you and spend five or ten minutes doing the dhikr of Allah in your heart. You should regularly stay in touch so that you can, so that you can continue to um, benefit from the gatherings and from the individual contact and be able to achieve your goal. So, I mean, what's, what's quote unquote magical there? It's very, very basic, which is, you know, what I said. It was the basic routine. So this routine is assigned. And then it's through this routine that a person achieves the spiritual nutrition in order to be able to achieve their goals. All right, I'll give you another example. If a person says, I make a pledge that I want to become the best tennis player that I can become. I make a pledge that I want to become the best tennis player that I can become. Okay, now I'm thinking in the back of my mind. I've made this, let's not even let's take the word pledge out of it. I've made a decision in my mind that I want to become the best tennis player that I can become. So what's, what am I going to do? Maybe I'll watch a little tennis. Maybe I'll play a little tennis. But eventually I know that I have to find what? I have to find a coach in tennis. All right, so what am I going to do? I'll watch a little tennis. I'll study a little tennis. I might practice a little bit tennis. But in the end, I know that I can never become the best I can be until I have a coach. Now what happens? Once I decide that I need a coach, I get to that point in my life where I decide that I need a coach and I'm serious about my development and training, then I have to go to the coach. Now it just doesn't work. You don't, it doesn't just work that you show up at the coach and say, hello, I'd like to be a great tennis player. The coach is not going to respond to you. The coach is going to say, I've got 55 people also waiting to be the greatest, you know, to be, to be the best tennis players that they can become be. Why should I take you? You say, look, coach, I'll wake up early in the morning. I'll do whatever you tell me. I'll go to sleep early at night. I'll practice seven days a week. I'll be consistent. I won't take off. I'll follow whatever routine you give me. So that, what does that do? That heightens the coach's attention to that individual because now the coach says, my goal in life is to produce the best tennis players that I can. I want people who I'm going to be able to see will, come, will go on the pro circuit and get ranked nationally or internationally. That's the, perp- that's the goal. That's the greatest uh, achievement for a coach. That's what drives the coach. So now the coach says, okay, this person wants to be consistent. They want to be regular. But then what does that, what does that require? That means that the person has to actually put their action where their words are. So the coach says, okay, let me try you out for a week. Let me try you out for two weeks. 
If the person shows up late every day, doesn't come three days, then the coach begins to say, wait a minute, how serious is this person? How Really, how serious is this person? Right. So the coach is going to lose interest. The student is going to lose interest. It requires, in order to be able to achieve the goal, it requires a concerted effort. It requires that the person be consi- be as consistent as possible. And we, when we make an individual, by the way, this is, when we make an uh, dis- individual decision, and by the way, this doesn't apply to Dean, it applies to everything in life. When we make an individual decision to commit to something, whether that's high school tennis or whether that's I don't know, um, you know, we'd have a child and we now made a commitment that I'm going to raise this child, whatever it might be, it doesn't happen overnight. You can't just say, I want to have a child and I want to have a pious child and I want to have a well-mannered child, but I'm not going to have anything to do with that child. It doesn't work. It doesn't just show up magically. You have to put time in, you have to put energy in, you have to be consistent, you have to make dua, etc. And then you end up seeing the results. That's the general pattern for anything that we want to do whether that be tennis, whether that be, I don't know, doing well in school, etc. So in this context of deen, when we make a decision, I mean, the first step is, okay, I've decided that I want to be the best that I can be. And I'll tell you that if you've made a decision that you want to be the best that you can be, it will not happen until you find the people who can develop you to be the best that you can be. You will need teachers to achieve that. You will need teachers in many dimensions to achieve that. If you want to become the best Quran reciter you can be, you will need a teacher. If you want to become the best in Arabic that you can be, you will need a teacher. If you want to become the best spiritually that you can be, you will need a teacher. You will need a guide. But that's not the end. That's the beginning. We treat that like the end, like I'm thinking and thinking and thinking and thinking. I spent six years trying to decide whether I need a teacher. Okay, now I've showed up. Now I decided that I want a teacher. And then all of a sudden, now I can relax. Alhamdulillah, it took me six years to get to at this point. You have no idea how overwhelmed I am. Okay. Yes. You made it. You, it took you six years to figure out that you need to start. That's step one. That's step one. There are thousands of steps on this journey. You don't just show up at the coach and say, I figured out I really like tennis. I want to be a good tennis player. Okay, we're done. No, that's the first step. Now the coach will say, show up at 6.30 in the morning. Let's see you tomorrow. Bring your water bottle. We're going to actually run for the first hour, and then I'm going to train you in this and that. I mean, there's a whole series of steps that we'll, that person will have to go through. That's even more so in Dean. It's even more so in Dean. When we have made a pledge, you know, I mean, we come to the point where we figure out that Dean is important. And then we come to the point where we want to make a pledge, right? We're all at that step. We don't want to just be Muslim. We want to be the best Muslims we can be. We don't want to just have the name of a Muslim. We want to fulfill that role as a Muslim. We don't want that we just have a superficial connection. We claim that we believe in Allah, but there's no depth. We want as much depth as possible. And we want the consequences of that. We want the depth in this world in our ibadat. And we want the depth of reward in the hereafter. But that's not the last step. That's the first step. We live in such a deluded time in which basically, you know, the first step has become like the last step. We get so excited because it's so hard to even get to the first step because there's so many headwinds against us. That's the first step. Once the person makes the first step and they recognize that this is important to them, then they have to fulfill the routine. They have to spend time. You have to spend time. We have to be consistent. We have to be regular. We have to be energetic. We have to be up in the morning and do going through this routine. And we have to go to bed at night and we have to be going through this routine. The routine is not is not something um, that's just uh, 
Um, it's not magic. And I tell this to people all the time. I don't have a magical wand. No teacher has a magical wand. No teacher has a magical wand. Yes, Rasulullah was magical in the sense, I don't even want to call it magical, but was amazing in the sense that somebody came in a state of Iman and they became Sahaba if they just saw Rasulullah in a state of Iman. That's amazing. You know, I mean, those types, those types of interactions, those are few and far between. There was a pre-existing purity that existed in those people. The life was very different. But for us, I mean, it's like a big deal to get to the first step. And then after we get to the first step, we've assumed success. And, you know, now I'm done. I'm a card carrying Bea. I have a, you know, this is look at my driver's license. It doesn't work that way. We have to put time in. You have to put energy in. We have to be consistent. We have to make the sacrifices. We have to examine our life with a fine-tooth comb and then re-examine our lives with a fine-tooth comb. We have to constantly be striving and struggling and seeking opportunities in order to attain and further attain a connection with Allah. That's just the nature of this game. We can't change it. You know, I think yesterday, if you were there, I was talking about some of the natural physics of, of, of Deen. You can't change it. Ice is ice. Steam is steam. You're not going to change the boiling point. You're not going to change the freezing point because you decided it was convenient. It doesn't work that way. Every people who desired Allah have always had to put in a concerted effort towards Allah. It, we, that's just what's required. And it's, it, it exists in everything. Nobody goes to college and says, give me my degree. They call, go to college and say, what are my classes? You don't start by asking for the degree. You get the degree at the end. You start by saying, what am I taking? Bring it on. Which professors? Which classes? Which major? Which direction? And we challenge ourselves. And we put in effort and effort and effort. And then eventually it results in a degree. So the same thing. If we are, if we are, if we are sincere and serious, maybe even the more important term, if we are serious about our development in deen, then it requires that we put in a concerted effort towards achieving those goals. And there are no exceptions. There's no magic here. There's no wand that a person can just wave and say, you will now achieve your goals by just having merely made a bayah. It doesn't work that way. Is there barakah in the bayah? Yes. Can the bayah ignite a passion in a person's heart? Yes. Can a person achieve a tremendous amount because of the connection to a group of people that have been striving and struggling in the same pattern for centuries? Yes. But it still requires that we make a footstep. Will that footstep be multiplied? Yes. It's a little different than the, the dimension of this world because in this world you work hard, you work hard, you work hard, you can fail. In this world you work hard, you work hard, you work hard, you may not achieve your goals. But if a person works in, in the direction of deen, they always succeed. And they always achieve more than they could imagine. They always achieve more than they can imagine. Because that's the nature of the connection with Allah. A person takes one step, Allah takes ten. A person comes walking, Allah comes running. But you still have to make an effort, whether that's that one step or whether that's that walk. It's not just free. So the beauty of this is that there's no headwind against us. There's a tailwind. It's, there's a wind at our back that's blowing us forward. All we have to do is make, we have to make a few strides. But we have to make a few strides. It's just, it doesn't just come automatically. We have to make an effort. We have to be concerted. We have to be consistent. And that's a topic that we'll talk about next week. 
So all I wanted to do was actually my purpose in this week was to introduce this topic. And next week, we'll talk more about the details of what allows us to be able to achieve those goals. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us among those who are sincere and serious in our effort to attain his nearness. And may he place us in the company of the pious who will, who will allow us to be able to achieve our goals. Wa akhirat da'wana and alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.